says the Lord is in this place that's just not here this morning so many times I've heard people say well I'm in a place that I just don't understand well that that place is where God is at I'm in a situation that I'm just going through well God's in that place wherever you are that is the place where God is at and just remember when you wake up every single morning of your life you're not enough without him we can't get a whole lot of pride and, and feel like, well, you know, hey, I, I got this. I got this. So many days we do that. And we're out, of, we're out of alignment with the Word of God and we'll fail. We are not enough unless He comes. Every morning, that should be our prayer. That's probably going to be my prayer every morning from now on. God, I'm not enough today unless you come. Lord, unless you come, God, and help me, Father, I'm just not enough. People need me. People ask. People call. God, I'm just not enough. I don't have what they need, Lord. Unless you come. Hallelujah. 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 When we get to the place where we understand that we're not enough unless He comes, that's when we're starting to walk the Christian walk. That's when we're starting to be a Christian. When we get to the place that we know, I'm not, I, I, I don't, I, I just can't. Unless you, unless you come. Unless you walk with me. Unless you speak through me. Unless you talk with me. The Lord is in this place. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Amen and amen. I do have just one quick announcement before I go into my message. And um, I'm just going to wait. So many times we want want things that everybody else has. At Christmas, whenever whenever the toy factory comes out and says, hey, this is going to be the hottest thing this this Christmas, we go out and buy it. How do we know it's going to be the hottest? Our kids ain't even seen it yet. But they say, this is the hottest thing. Everybody runs out and buys Tickle Me Elmo. And you know what? Sure enough, it's the funniest thing. When something out comes out new, oh, 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 uh, aqua is going to be the new color of this season. Everybody goes out and buys aqua. It becomes, I don't know if it's because everybody, just because they say it or what, but whenever something comes out, everybody wants, when the fidget spinners came out, it's going to help you focus. I, I got one and it helped me focus, but I focused on, and I couldn't focus on nothing else because I was playing with this and watching it, seeing how long it would spin. Then they had the little fidget cubes that people had, and they said it helps me focus. I'm like, but it drives me bananas. I can't take click, 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 click. I can't, I can't, I can't. But but the thing is, is that it, it seems like society, when it, what everybody else is doing is what we want to do. And the Israelites were the same way. God had them had a had a judge. God was king, and there was a judge, and he had that judge. If you look at the book of Judges, there are a whole bunch of judges in there, and, and some women judges and men judges, and, but they were there, and, and God would speak to the judge, and then the judge would rule the people. The people would come to the judge and say, we got a problem. The judge would go to God, to God and say, hey, we have a problem. Well, okay, okay. kind of like, like Moses. Well, Moses, you know how he went to God, went up to the mountaintop and got what the word was? Well, God, God would speak to these judges. And then there came a point where the people rejected God's rule. And, and in doing so, they rejected their identity. They were supposed to be a holy nation and distinctive people, separate. But they got tired 
of seeing everybody else in these other, these other nations had a king that they could see, and I'm worshiping, worshiping a king that I can't see. But the problem is, the reason they couldn't, they had to have a king they could see because their true king that they worshiped was dead. Our king was alive, but he was in heaven. And they complained, we want a king. The Philistines have a king. The Moabites have a king. The Jebusites have a king. And they said, we want to be like all the other nations. We want to be like everybody else. If you look in the Hebrew Bible, a true Hebrew Bible, you'll see that the Bibles, the, 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 uh, the, the, the books are in a different, a different uh, cat section. I mean, they're in different places. Excuse me. So in the Hebrew Bible, 1 Samuel follows Judges. And then Ruth is in another section of, of, of the Hebrew Bible called the writings. So the last thing that you read in the book of Judges, right before you get to Samuel, the, 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 the judge that, is, that is, is, the, is God is, is anointed to speak to the people. It says, in those days Israel had no king. Everyone did as they saw fit. And when you, when you get to that place, you have a, a society of chaos. When we have riots and stuff, people are doing as they want. They loot, they steal, they break, it's like, you know what, there is no morality anymore. They, you get to this place and they just do what they feel is right. Everybody did it like they wanted to. And when, you get, when, when a, a nation gets to that place, you're in, in, in a bad situation, there's no morality. And you quickly discover that, wow, in this kind of situation, it can get ugly real fast. But they didn't have a king, and the Lord was supposed to be the king. But they didn't acknowledge him as king because of their lack of, of, of obedience to him. It seems there was a battle for the throne to who's going to be king. God's like, I want to be king. And they're like, we don't want you to be king. We, we want a king we can see. See, this has always been an issue from the beginning of time. Satan was a worship leader in heaven. And in Isaiah 14, 12 and 14, it says... How are you fallen from heaven, O shining star, morning, the sun of the morning? You have been thrown down to the earth. When he got God thumping him out of heaven because he was a jerk. He, thumped, he said, you have, you who destroyed the nations of the world. For you said to yourself, I will ascend to heaven and set my throne above the God's stars. I will preside on the mountain of the gods far away in the north. I will climb to the highest heavens and be like the Most High. Satan wanted God's job. He saw it. I can do just as good. I can do better. I got a following. I got some people behind me. We can overthrow God. And he realized really quickly what was going on. He got thumped to the curb. And God cast him out of heaven. But he didn't give up. He still wanted that throne. So what did he do? Well, I can't do it, so what can I do? So he went, to, oh, we got people on earth, Adam and Eve. So he went to Adam and Eve and, and said, Genesis uh, 3, 4, and 5, hey, hey, you won't die. The serpent replied to the woman, God knows that your eyes will be open, and as soon as you eat it, you will be like God. You will be on the throne, knowing both good and evil. And see, we struggle with that today. 
God, God, I know what you told me. I know you're on the throne, but you know what? I, I think I'm going to veto that, and I'm going to do what I want to do because I think I know better. God, you, 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 I know you told me to do this, but I'm going to veto that. I, I, I'm going to take the throne today. I'm going to take the gavel, and I'm going to do what I want to do because I feel like I'm right in what I want to do. I feel like I have a right to do what I want to do, and I, 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 I'm, I'm, I'm doing pretty much everything you said to do, but I don't, I don't, really, I don't really agree with this part, and I'm, I'm going to just kind of do it myself. So we go to 1 Samuel. First, judge, the last part of Judges says, and they had no king. 1 Samuel opens up by introducing us to a woman named Hannah. She's desperately wanted a child. She's barren. She can't have children. And she's begging God every day at the temple. God, I want a child. God, I want a child. 1 Samuel 10, 1, 10 and 11 says, Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. And she made a vow. O Lord of heavens, heaven's armies, if you will look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his entire lifetime. So she has a child, a son. She names him Samuel, and she gives him back to God, dedicates him back to God. This moment right here is where we get baby dedications at. This is why we dedicate our babies. Because Hannah said, you give them to me, I'll give them to, back to you, God. And that's what we do. God gives us children, and we come here, and, and, and we dedicate them back to God. Now, the difference is, is we take our child home. Okay? But here, she literally meant, I'm going to give them to you. And so, what happened was, he had, he, he, she allowed him to live in the temple and be the assistant to the priest, Eli. Now, this is not Denzel Washington, Eli. The book of Eli. It's not, that's not the movie. That's not the same one. This is Eli and the Word of God. 1 Samuel 3.19. But it says, As Samuel grew up, he was with, the Lord was with him, and everything Samuel said proved to be reliable. He really listened to God, and he was a good man, and he did good. And Israel didn't have a king like the other kings, but it, wasn't, it, wasn't, it doesn't mean that they weren't without leadership. As I said, God was a king. But the leaders, and they, the leaders were, were talking to God on the people's behalf. In 1 Samuel 8, 1 and 5, it says, As Samuel grew old, he appointed his sons. Samuel had some sons, Joel and Abijah, and his older sons to the court in Beersheba, where they were, they, and they were not like their father. They were greedy for money. They accepted bribes and perverted justice. Finally, all of the elders of the Israel met at Ramah to discuss the matter with Samuel. They said, Samuel, look, they told him, you're old. <laughs> I, I, man, I hate, I hate they told him like that. He just, just threw it out there to him. You're old. You know? But you're old, and your sons are not like you. Give us a king to judge us like all the other nations. Verse 5, give us a king like all the other nations. They want what everybody else had. The people of Israel were supposed to be a people of God. And God told them, I will take you as my own people, and I will be your God. They were special people with a special relationship with God. They had a special favor on their life. They were a holy nation, and they were supposed to be separate, set apart, set apart from the world. Not a, not a part of the world. They were supposed to be set apart from the world. And they repeated the refrain that, that Moses had law of the law of Moses, Be holy, for I am holy. So what does holy mean? Holy means distinct or set apart. 
Holiness does not mean that you got to wear no makeup and you got to wear a dress and you got to wear sleeves of here and, and, and collars of here. That's not, that, that's religion. Uh, uh, holiness is, is, is to be distinct and set apart from the not a part of the world, but to be set apart. They were called to be different. They were called to be a light to the other nations. Israel was supposed to be a light to show everybody else God and show them God's grace and God's love and, and, that he, and all the things that he, that he is. It was a missional identity. And they, they were supposed to be like God to reveal God to the other nations so other nations would serve him. But they said, give us a king so we can be like the other nations. And they were turning their back on who they were. The prophet Samuel took it very uh, personally. He, he was like, but what have I done? What did I do to y'all? But see, it wasn't really about him. In, in 1 Samuel 8, 6 through 9, Samuel was displeased with their request and went to the Lord for guidance. So he went to God and said, look, Lord, what, what, what's going on? He said, do everything that they say to you. The Lord replied, for they are rejecting me, not you. I tell people all the time when you witness and people turn, they, they cuss at you, fuss at you, turn off or call you name. They're not rejecting you. They're rejecting God. It's not you. It's the God in you they're rejecting. For every, it says, every, um, they, they do not want me to be their king any longer, the Lord said. Ever since I brought them from Egypt, they have continually kept abandoning me and going to follow other gods. And now they're giving you the same treatment. You know what? Do as they ask, but solemnly warn them about the way a king will rule over them. In other words, he gave them what they asked for. Well, you asked for it. You asked for it. You got it, Toyota. But, but, they, but they did. They, they, they asked for it. I mean, that's a... Have you ever asked for stuff in God? I've, I've asked for stuff in my life and wanted it so badly, God gave it to me. It's like, okay, go ahead, big boy. Go ahead. You want it that bad? Go ahead. And I found out real quickly that wasn't what I wanted. Really quickly. And I was like, oh, God, that's not... And I had to come back to God. I was like, God, I'm sorry. I, 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 thought, I thought I knew better than you, and you quickly showed me. Have you talked to your kids and told them things? Hey, hey you no, know, no, you don't need that. You don't need that. You don't need that. But, but, but you're like, okay, fine. And there comes a time in your life that you have to let your kids make decisions on your own. And then you're like, oh, see? You know, because we, we, that's how we are. We got this in us that sometimes we just got to see, you know, and, and that's how, how we all are in our life. And that's how these people were. They were like, we want, we want a king. Everybody else has got a king. We want a king. You cry babies. But God said, okay, that's fine. But we're supposed to surrender our hearts to the Lord. And that's what happens whenever you no longer want to, to live your life God's way. You turn from God. See, the truth was they wanted a king, and so they chose a man named Saul. He was tall, dark, and handsome. And that's, what, that's how you choose a king, right? Tall, dark, and handsome. But the thing is, first impressions can be very deceiving. When you look at somebody, the difference between the, the way they, how they look and who they are is different. Uh, Saul was a tall guy, a big, strapping, nice-looking fellow. He was head and shoulders. He was head and shoulders over everybody else. And they're like, man, he'll be a great king, right? But he looked like a king, but he didn't act like a king. In 1 Samuel 10, 21 through 24, at the beginning, it says, when they looked at, they, But they looked for him, he had disappeared. So they asked the Lord, where is he? And the Lord replied, he's hiding among the baggage. Your new king, he's hiding among the baggage. You know that song, this is how we fight our battles. 
I'm surrounded by you know, others, but I'm surrounded by you. Um, so, so this right here, this guy's supposed to fight their battles. He's supposed to take them in the army. He's supposed to, how, how are we going to fight our battles? We're going to go hide among the baggage. Is that the king that you want? The king that's over here shaking, uh, oh, I don't know if I can do this or not. Well, that's what happened. But he got a little, got a little girth about him and it started working and started realizing that I could be king, I could do this. And for 42 years, he, he was king and he did, he did a lot of good things and he had moments of victory. But in Samuel chapter, 1 Samuel chapter 15, the wheels fell off the bus that went round and round. 1 Samuel 15, 2 and 3. This is what the Lord of the armies declared. I have decided to settle with the nations of Amalek for opposing Israel when they came from Egypt. Now go and completely destroy the entire Amalekite nation. Men, women, babies, children, cattle, sheep, goats, camels, and donkeys. Go destroy everything. See, the Amalekites was from Amalek. Amalek was the grandson of Esau. So you understand where, where all that, that, that line came from. But the thing is, is that the Amalekites are the first ones to attack Israel after Israel came from Egypt. That was the first group to try to attack Israel. But what did God say in 17 to Abraham? I will bless those who bless you and curse those who treat you in contempt. And all the families of the earth will be blessed through you. So the Amalekites cursed themselves by attacking Israel and then for a while nothing happened and they felt like oh, okay hey we did it it's not a big deal but there comes a time when, when we reap what we sow and, and, and God said okay it's time it's time to wipe them out it's time to wipe them out when God decides to, to settle an account judgment comes for their sin and it's challenging for us sometimes to think that God would kill babies, kids. But see, that was before Jesus Christ came. And back then, they had an Adam and Eve sin, so there was judgment. And until there was a sacrifice, a heavenly sacrifice that Jesus died on the cross, that was the judgment that took place. And when God sent a type of judgment, it was done with no exception. It was done and everything was destroyed. There was nothing left. That's why, I, that's why I say, um, that's why I said about Florence, I said, look, don't, this is not a judgment from God. This is a weather, high pressure, low pressure. It happens, it happens every year, just different degrees and stuff. Because if it was a judgment from God, we would all be dead. Okay, so we can't try to make this, a, we, try to make, we try to get too hyper-spiritual and make things too hyper-spiritual, you know. Well, you know, if it would have skirted off of us and went to South Carolina and did the same thing there, we would have said, oh, thank God for favor. He, he's, no, that ain't favor when, when you get skirted but somebody else gets hurt. That's just, that's, just, that's just the way it turned. Because you don't think that they were praying too? So God hears our prayers but don't hear South Carolina's or what have you if that would have happened? No, that's just not how God works. We, we make stuff so hyper-spiritual sometimes. Now, God does hear our prayers, but if, if, if he really truly heard our prayers and he truly answered our prayers the way we wanted to, it would have skirted off and never came to us and went back out to sea. Now, that would have been, hey, we all have favor. We all prayed and God did it. Just like we did pray, as we all did, and it went from a four down to a one. That was God hearing our prayer. The rest of it was just part of life, part of, of, of the weather, of, of how the weather happens. But there's always consequences for unforgiven sin. There's no exception. The Amalekites were not exceptions, and neither are you and I. When you have un unconfessed sin in your life, you will pay. 
There's consequences for our choices. With each choice you make, you know, you're choosing a direction. Your life is a product of the choices that you make. Now, I thought there was grace. Yes, there's grace for confessed sin. I was talking to somebody the other day. I said, yeah, well, you, know, you, you know, you can be on death row, but just because you accept Christ in your life don't mean that you're going to get off death row because you reap what you sow. Now, what it does mean is you're going to go to heaven if you die. Okay, but the thing is, is we reap what we sow. And so therefore, you know, you may have to reap what you sowed. Okay, but in the middle of reaping, if you confess your sin for what you're reaping, then God can be with you and help the whole situation be a whole lot better. But if you have unconfessed sin and you haven't confessed your sins for the sin, then then you, you catch the whole storm. But at least when you confess your sin, God's grace is so merciful. You've confessed your sin, and so even though you may have to reap some, I'm going to be here with you during this process. That's why 2 Chronicles 7.14 is so beautiful and critical. It says, then my people who are called by my name, Christian, Christ, Christ, Christians, Christ, by my name, Christ, Christians, um, who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and seek my face. Then will I Turn from, and they will turn from their sins. Then will I hear from heaven and forgive their sins and restore their land. When judgment comes, nothing is left. Everything must be destroyed. But Saul decided that he was king, and I'm, just, I'm going to destroy almost everything, God. Verse 9, they destroyed only what was worthless or poor quality. In other words, they kept all the good stuff. See, Samuel had a habit of breaking, breaking what God said and being disobedient to the instructions of God and was like, ah, oh, it's no big deal. I mean, I'm, I destroyed almost everything. All I left is just that little bit right there. And that's just all the good stuff, all the bad stuff I, I destroyed. So I had a habit of doing that. But you see, repentance is, excuse me, repentance is turning 180 and going the other direction. Repentance is motion. Repentance is walking away from, but instead of repentance, we have excuses. He said, but look what I've done, God. Shouldn't I get credit for that? I've done almost everything you said, but I didn't destroy that. I mean, but I destroyed everything else. I mean, and I felt like that's what I should do. God's like, but that's not what I told you to do. But I was obedient in everything else, but this partial obedience is disobedience. Partial obedience is disobedience. But we act like, but God, God, look what I did. I did all this stuff for you. It's just that little bit right there. And I just felt like we could use that. Partial obedience is disobedience. And you cannot get blessed past your last act of disobedience. You got to go back and repent for that disobedience. Then God can bless you again. Because we're disobedient to God. And then we're like, oh, God bless me. He's like, listen, you go back and make that right and, and, and repent over the sin in your life, then I can bless you. But I'm not just going to bless you when you walk in disobedience. Number two, everyone else does it. He, had, he tried to justify it and said, hey, well, it was, it, the soldiers really didn't, they, they didn't really follow the orders and stuff. It's really easy to shame, um, to blame shift. Well, I, I, I told them to do it, but they didn't really do it. Well, if you told them to do it and they didn't do it, then you should have sent them out again and say, finish the job. But we didn't. We want to blame shit and blame somebody, our neighbor, our pastor, friend, whoever, our enemy. It's them, God. I, I, I did what I, I was supposed to do, right? It seemed logical at the time, we may say. Killing all those animals seemed like a waste, God, so, 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 so that's why I did that. 
I was afraid what other people would think if I just killed everybody. They would, they would make me feel like I'm a tyrant. Or maybe I did it for you, God. I did it for you, God, because all these animals that I saved, what I'm going to do with those animals, I was going to sacrifice them to you. I was going to have a burnt offering, and I was going to make a sacrifice. I sacrificed for you, God. Well, 1 Samuel 5, it says, But what is more pleasing to God, your burnt offerings of sacrifices or your obedience to his voice? Sacrifice. Obedience is better than a sacrifice. God's like, all oh, that's great. Those sacrifices are great, but I want your obedience. I don't want you to come down here and give me a sacrifice of praise. Oh, hallelujah, hallelujah, but you're not being obedient to me. God says, that worship means nothing until you're obedient. Obedience is what we're supposed to be. Obedience is how we're supposed to live. Partial obedience is disobedience. And we want to feel good because we did everything but just that little bit right there that we really didn't want to do. So what Saul did, what we often do, he, he minimalized the judgment of God of sin in our life. We sacrifice a lot. We serve a lot. We give a lot. We give our time, talents, and treasures. God, we give uh, our 10%. Or maybe we give 5%. We're not obedient to 10%. But we, we give. God, we do things. But see, you know, we, we can look at Saul and say, hey, Big boy, you're, you're horrible. God told you to destroy everything. What'd you keep that for? And we can look at him and act like he's a bad guy. But God looks at us and says, I want you to destroy all the sin in your life. Oh, okay, well, that stings. Maybe, well, just call, just call me Saul. Just, just call me Saul. You know, because I'm no better. Because God said destroy. Because you know what? God, I gave that up, gave that up, gave that up. But you know what? Or this up. But I still get it. But I kind of like that, God. It's really not that bad. I know you think it is, but, but, I, but I can handle it. I can live a Christian life with this in my life. I got rid of all the big stuff. But this right here is still here, God. And, and I mean, it's not, that, it's not really that bad. I, I, you know, I can, you, you can use it. God, it, you can use it to help me. You, know? you can work with it. You can, you can use that to, to make me better and stronger. This, God, here's my favorite one. God, this, this is just probably my thorn in my flesh. That's why I'm going to stay. Because, you know, every, you know, Paul had a thorn in his flesh. So this must be my, I'm just going to keep it because it's my thorn in my flesh. I'm just going to keep on because it's my thorn. Got to deal with it. That's your excuse. You're disobedient. We are disobedient. So are we going to obey God's voice and take him seriously or be like Saul and say, well, it's no big deal. It's just, it's just a little bit. It's just this little bit in my life. True obedience is an end to excuse. It's a movement towards God. It's a movement that results in action. True obedience and true repentance, there's motion away from the sin. If you read through 1 Samuel, you'll realize this is not the first thing that Samuel screwed up on. But it's the last, it's the last thing that cost him the throne. So it's a straw that broke the camel's back. It's the one thing that cost him the throne. God will put up with a lot of stuff, but disobedience he ain't got no time for. Small compromises, if, if, if he can if come up. Small compromises of character today lead to devastating choices in our future. The opposite is true as well. When we are faithful and responsible and trustworthy today, it can open incredible doors in the future. Jesus said if we're faithful in a few things, that, that, that um, he will make us faithful in many. He'll give us many things. Ruler over many. Okay, here's the deal. Let me, this, I'm going to make it a, a little illustration here. How you're living today 
is because of the seeds that you planted in the past. The seeds that you're planting today is going to affect how you live in the future. Okay? So if you have, if I planted a crop of beans in the past and I just planted corn today, I can't expect corn tomorrow. There's a season that that corn has to grow until it comes to full enrichment. Until you, you reap what you sow. Now there's going to come a day where the sower overtake the reaper. And I understand that. But right now, so I can't expect nothing but, but beans right now. And I'm still, but I'm going to have to keep sowing my corn for the corn to one day come. I used to tell teenagers all the time whenever I was a youth pastor. I would say, if you don't like what you're reaping, then quit sowing it. If you don't like what you're getting back, then quit doing that. Because if you want corn, but you're still planting corn, Lord, I'm, trying, I'm doing pretty good. I'm sowing corn seeds right here, and I'm going to have a crop sometime. But you're still hanging on to the little bean seeds, so you keep dropping a few bean seeds in here, you're going to have a jacked up corn. It's going to be corn beans, bean corns, borns, corns, something. It's going to be deflicted, okay? So the only way to really walk into the freedom of what God really wants you to have is quit, quit sowing these bad seeds and walk sowing the good seeds. Now, while you're sowing these good seeds, there's still some bad seeds that have still been growing. You've got to just make it through that process and say, God, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm still suffering a little bit because of what I sowed in the past, but God, just give me the grace right now to make it until I can get to my next season to where this corn starts to flourish. But so many times, we want to keep a few seeds in our pocket. A little bit of sin, a little bit of, a little bit of stuff that I just kept around and just, just, keep, just keep a little bit. And it's not pure. So our crop is not pure. God, I, I asked for corn. Why well, I got some born for? I don't know. Kings, I don't know, beans of corn. I could should have come up with squash or another name to mix those two together. Just get off the top of my head. But, but the thing is, is, is you got to quit sowing what you sowed and start sowing good seed. And when you start sowing good seed, because I've I, I had kids tell me all my life back when I was a youth pastor, but Pastor Good, I'm doing so good. I'm paying my tithes. I'm going to church. I'm reading my Bible. And I'm praying. Then that's good. And you will eventually reap that blessing. But you have to stop sowing the bad seed. You have to stop doing the sin that you're in. You have to quit doing the thing that God has asked you not to do and keep sowing this and then eventually you'll get a harvest where that harvest will come up and you'll be able to live and live happily. And then you're going to have to be careful not to start pulling out new seeds and ask God for that. Amen? Partial obedience is disobedience. When God asks us, to destroy the sin in our life we got to look deep you know the, 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 the heart there's a little tip down here at the end and I think some people it's just a little tip at the very end you know that it comes around there's a little tip right across that tip I feel like somebody's got a little a little a little lid that you just pop that lid down and lock it and it's just a little tip of your heart is full of sin but God wants all of us he wants the key to your heart your whole heart and he needs a key to that secret compartment that nobody knows about. He wants you to open that up and say, God, no, here's the key to that too. Let me rip this door off. You're going to have my whole heart. I want to be obedient to you and do what you've called me to do and be the person you've called me to be. And God, I want to quit fighting for the throne because I'll tell you what, God ain't going to play with you. 
If you want the throne, he'll give it to you. I don't have a, a chair. But anyway, if he's sitting on the throne and you're like, hey, I want to make my, okay, well, that's fine. Doug, you can have the throne. I'll, I'll move. God will very graciously move off of the throne. If he's on the throne and you want to start sitting and give the throne to, to Satan, oh, you want Satan to have it? I'll get off the throne. He's a gentleman. He's not going to push himself. He's not going to make you live for him. He's not going to make you let him be his king. If you want Satan to be on the throne, you want to be on the throne, he will graciously get down and just wait his turn until you decide, you know what, God, I want you to be on the throne. And then when you ask him to come back, oh, I'll come back. Okay, you get all that stuff. But, I'm not, but he's going to tell you today, I'm not sharing the throne with nobody. It's my throne or your throne or the enemy's throne. Only one at a time. But I will not share my throne. I will not share my glory with nobody. So you got to decide, who do you want to live on the throne of your life? Who's going to be your king? Do you want this king over here, the world of the flesh and mammon, the flesh of the world of things that you that you your sin, or you want me to be your king? If you could be, if I'm gonna be your king, you're gonna have to. And your confessed sin is great. And whenever you confess your sin, I'll help you through it, and I'll be there through the hard times. But unconfessed sin, you're gonna pay, even when I'm on the throne. Would you bow your hand, close your eyes, please. Hallelujah. feel him in this house I feel his convicting power right now in here he's convicting some people in here that are being partially disobedient he's convicting some people on Facebook right now that are being partially obedient they're not doing what God's called them to do because they got a little piece of their life they're hanging on to they're doing the way that they think they should do it rather than the way that God said to do it Is there anybody here at all that today that would say, Pastor, look, I'm not a Christian. I don't know Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, but I want to be saved. If that's you, just lift your hand up. Say, I just want to be saved. I want Christ in my life. I want to be born again. I want to be obedient to God. Well, who would, who would raise your hand and be honest and say, Pastor Doug, I'm a Christian. I'm serving God the best I can. But you know what? There's a struggle for my throne. There's a struggle for my throne. And sometimes I'm on it, sometimes God's on it, sometimes Satan's on it. And I would pray, I want, to, I want you to pray for me, Pastor Doug, that, that I would let God get on the throne and that he would stay there. Anybody besides me, the pastor, would raise your hand and say, hey, sometimes I struggle with the throne. Who's on the throne? Yes, man, so many people. Let me pray for you. God, in the name of Jesus, I pray right now, God, in the name of God Almighty, God, that you are on the throne in my life. God, that you are in the throne in everybody's life in this room and everyone watching on, on Facebook Live, Father, that you, that you would be on the throne of our life. And God, that we would not be partially obedient. When you ask us to do something, we would do our best to do that and not hide sin. And Lord, that any sin that we did ha have, God, that we would confess it, that you might help us overcome it, that you might help us get free from it before it comes a problem that we can't get over. God, help us, Father, today. You saw the hands of people that admitted, Father, hey, I've got some throne issues. I've got some throne games that I'm playing, and I, I like to switch who's on the throne for whatever day that benefits me the, the most. We've got to let God get on the throne, Father, and let you stay there, Father, even when it doesn't feel like it benefits us. Or even, even when we feel like maybe we feel like it should be different because, we, God, we've got to get to the place where we trust you. Because if you are truly our God, we should trust you. 
in and out, good and bad, what have you, better or worse, because you're going to work it all out for the good. And we got to quit making excuses for our sin. We got to quit making excuses for why we make these decisions. And we got to quit thinking that we know better than you. And just follow your lead. Help us today, God. In Jesus' name, we ask you and pray, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for your convicting power. In the name of Jesus Christ, I ask and pray. Amen and amen. Praise God.